those of you who are sitting way, way in the back, you might want to move a little closer. Makes us feel like we're more of a family. And we want to be sure we have time for questions and you want to be close enough to the front that you can be recognized. Okay, good evening everyone and welcome. I'm Mary Wood for the San Francisco Ballet Center for Dance Education. I'm delighted to welcome you here to the War Memorial Opera House in San Francisco. This wonderful Friday evening in April, it's the 19th and it's 2013. These points of view um, and Meet the Artist programs are produced by the Center for Dance Education and of course you are all very familiar with the fact that we do record them and they will eventually be found on the website sfballet.org for um, as podcasts for you to review later and many of you have noticed that we have not been able to get them up as quickly as we wanted to this season so um, the plus is that you get to relive what was a wonderful season by going to the website after it's over and listening to all of the podcasts. <laughs> um, in any case, the Center for Dance Education produces other programming besides these pre-performance talks. We do a lot of um, educational programming for children, both here in the Opera House and out in the community. It's a wonderful, wonderful program we do. <clears throat> and by going to the website, you can learn all kinds of things, and there's lots of video and visuals. And of course, you know that next season has been announced, and there's lots of excitement around that. It's all there. I know you'll enjoy noodling through when you get the chance. Meanwhile, here we are in the Opera House. Again, welcome. And this evening, <clears throat> we're here to see um, Program 7. What that means is we're close to the end of the season. You've been a terrific audience all season. And it's going to be a real privilege to be in a position to get acquainted. This is, after all, a Meet the Artist program. And so your opportunity tonight is to meet San Francisco Ballet soloist Shane Worthner. So let's welcome Shane. Thank you. Shane is completing his first season with us, but you have probably seen a lot of him on stage. And this is going to be fun to give you the chance to find out uh, where he came from and um, how he's rising through our ranks and leaping across our stage. Um, let's just start at the beginning, and this is sort of a homecoming for you in a way. You started right in the Bay Area. Yeah, uh, I started at Marin Ballet. Uh, when I was five. Um, I was there for about seven years and uh, went through many changes there. I mean, I started, uh, there was a time when uh, Miko Nissanen became the director there. All right, and some of you remember Miko Nissanen as a principal here. Yeah. Uh, Leslie Crockett was, was my main teacher there. And then when I was 11 years old, um, I auditioned for the Kirov Academy in Washington, D.C. went there for a summer session, and I ended up going for the Euron program, 
and I was there for the next five and a half years, uh, training under Anatoly Kucherouk, who's... Say that again. Anatoly Kucherouk. He was uh, a dancer with the Kiev mm -hmm. in Russia. Uh, and then uh, there was a, a teacher there by the name of Jacqueline Akhmerova, who danced for the Vienna State Opera. And when I was graduating, she said there was an audition that was going on and the director was actually changing for the company uh, because before it had been Renato Zanella who choreographed Underskin here, I think. A That's right, Renato Zanella. Right? Yeah. <clears throat> and so the directorship was changing to a man by the name of Julio Herangozo. And he was hiring a lot of new dancers for the company and it was a good opportunity for young dancers to come into a more established company especially in a court of ballet position. Uh -huh. And so I went and auditioned and I got a job and I went there at the age of 17. I started in the, in the core at the Vienna State Opera. And I was there for seven years. Uh, directorship changed uh, just after I had been promoted to demi-soloist. Uh, so I was a demi-soloist for one year before Manuel Legree came. And that was probably the best thing that could have happened to me. He was an amazing coach and uh, gave me lots of opportunities. I uh, got to dance Giselle, Albrecht and Giselle, and James and La Sylphide. Uh, and then I actually, uh, one of the biggest things that happened was uh, towards the middle of my second season, most of the principal dancers had been injured. And... Um, <laughs> Sometimes it works out that way. Yeah. Uh, two days... Uh, before a performance of Sleeping Beauty, they called me up and said, you have to dance. And I hadn't studied it at all. I was, I was reserved, but I didn't get to go and rehearse the piece. So I had two days to learn the prints in Sleeping Beauty. And I performed it. And then I performed it again with a different partner. And after my second performance, I was promoted to soloist. I would hope so. <laughs> So that was my big, my big uh, break in Vienna. Yeah. And then I decided that, that it was time to kind of spread my horizons because a lot of the things that we danced in Vienna were not um, new works. They had been done before either by Paris Opera or other companies. And so I decided I needed to come to a place where a lot of new creations were happening and, and San Francisco was was a good place to, to do that, especially because it was home for me, so it's good to be home. <laughs> wow. Well, thank you. That's an amazing arc and quite a, a talent. I mean, you have the talent, quite a, a trajectory um, for a still very young career. I, if you don't mind, I'd like to back up sure. and go more slowly through a couple of those phases. Um, <clears throat> we all are fairly familiar with studying ballet in your hometown. But that impetus to go away and study is, um, it's a hard thing for a parent, and it's hard probably for a youngster. Uh, how do, what was your, let's say, what was the draw to go to Washington, D.C., to the Kirov Academy? Well, I actually had a couple of Russian coaches here <laughs> that were working at Marin Ballet at the time. Uh, Tamara Stockkun was the main, mm -hmm. the main coach. I think she has a school in Sacramento now, but I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. um, she actually would go to Kirov during the summers and teach. 
And so she said, you should, you should go and try it because there's a very good t male teacher there, mm -hmm. which is really important for boys up and coming. You need to have that masculine influence in your, in your training. And so I went and I auditioned. Actually, I auditioned here at San Francisco Ballet. It was one of the, they came to do the summer course audition. And they offered me a full scholarship for the summer course, and I went. And they actually wanted me to come for the year-round program immediately, but my parents weren't sure I was ready to, to make that move. And so we came back, and I was actually terribly unhappy coming back and, and not getting the same type of training I was getting there. And so um, around November of that year, they actually decided that they would move with me to Washington, D.C. And so they came with me to DC and they lived there for the next five years while I trained at the Kirov. That's, um, we, that's the stuff we read about, about parents who are that dedicated. I'm going to assume that one of them had a job that would permit that to happen. Yeah, well my, my dad was a, is a work at home architect and uh, my mom works with Macy's or worked with Macy's at the time so mm -hmm. it was just a transfer from coast to coast. Great. Oh. Um, I think there's probably some curiosity about the Kirov Academy. Um, we read about the Kirov in St. Petersburg. And um, when you just say, well, I studied at the Kirov Academy, we might think you'd gone off to St. Petersburg. Is this related? Uh, officially, I don't think there is a relation, especially not anymore. Um, the director, the former director, Oleg Vinogradov, was at one time the artistic director of the Kirov, the Mariinsky in, in Russia. Um, but when the school was founded, he was the director of the Universal Ballet in Korea. And so the company was originally called the Universal Ballet Academy. The school was the Universal Ballet Academy. And so he, he wanted to make a school for students that they could learn the Vaganova technique in the United States, and originally all the students were on scholarship. Um, and I mean, as, as time progressed, they had to, to change that, but the connection was more with Universal Ballet in Korea than with the Mariinsky in Russia. We have other dancers here at San Francisco Ballet who went through the Kirov Academy in Washington. I know that one that pops into my mind is Vanessa mm -hmm. Zohorian. And she actually went from Washington to St. Petersburg for a year of training. Um, I can't think of any of the others, can you? Sasha DeSola. Oh, Sasha DeSola, right. Um, so it, and it's obviously turning out great dancers. But there's not a performing group attached, is there? No, no, it's just the school. Um, it used to be that, that the company in Korea would try to recruit the dancers. But that's not so much the case anymore. So then uh, we make this <clears throat> um, leap across the pond, so to speak, to a European company. What um, you said there was a personal connection, but you must have been weighing options. And what was the thing that drew you to a European company? Oh, let's see. Well, just to back up a little bit, I had I had other offers at the time. Um, I had been offered an, a position as an apprentice with Royal Danish and also with the studio company in ABT. And somehow it just felt like I would get a better, more well-rounded experience in Austria. Um, the, 
amount of full-length ballets was was really important because at a young age, if you don't have that experience of just standing in the back of the stage and watching other dancers do their craft, you, you really miss a lot. And I think it's really important to be able to, to have that experience of you know, just carrying the, the bucket across the stage and, and standing there and you know, gesturing to the, to the other dancers. And that's, that's one of the most important things that you can have in a, in a young, at a young age. So that was, that was one, I mean, we did probably 10 full-length ballets a season. Wow. So it was, it was really full-length to full-length to full-length to full-length. And these were all established versions of the classics or local uh, versions? Some were established, some were not. Um, the Nutcracker was, at the time when I was there, was, was Zanella's Nutcracker. So it was, it was a bit strange, <laughs> but... Uh, um, yeah, Renato Zanella has choreographed for San Francisco Ballet, and at this moment, I can't call out the name of... I think it was under, Underskin? Underskin, yeah. Is that, is that right? Okay. A few years back. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> uh, so that experience of dancing the classics. <clears throat> How long a performing season does the Vienna State Opera have? Now, they've got a very active opera company, yeah. and you're... Well, the, the opera, the opera right? had, had about 240 performances a season, the opera. Uh, the ballet had about 80. So we kind of filled in the gaps. When the, when the opera wasn't performing, the ballet was performing. But we performed from the beginning of September until the end of June. So it was, it was not quite as intense as it is here where we have uh, seven performances a week. But there was probably eight to 10 performances mm -hmm. per month. Mm -hmm. um, I'll just say something about the repertoire. Um, oh, I know. The, um, the, one of the special things that we know about the Vienna State Opera Ballet is this televised New Year's performance. Were you part of it? I, I was in the New Year's, the New Year's concert twice. Uh, once in 2006 or seven, and once at last last year I was in it. Not, not this year, mm -hmm. but the year before. Mm -hmm. So if we were to watch that, you know, it's usually run in the week past following New Year's, we would have, yeah. there you would have been. I'm sure you can find it on YouTube, it's there. <laughs> so then we, you started to tell us a little bit of why you decided to um, leave Vienna. Um, and how does an opportunity to dance at San Francisco Ballet come along? Well, it was, it was kind of a strange, strange situation because I, I had just uh, been promoted in Vienna and I was, I was leaving, you know, a, a month later I, I resigned after my promotion. And so um, Manuel was very, very supportive. I mean, he, he helped us out. Mary Claire and I, my, my girlfriend also came with me. Um, she's a member of the company as well. Uh, and he, you know, he was very supportive. He called Helgi and, and asked him to, to take a look at us, and we came and we auditioned. My girlfriend actually came with a broken foot. She, uh, she broke her foot about three weeks before the audition was supposed to happen. And so it was, it was kind of a stressful situation. We didn't know whether we were going to get a job or not, but, but we were offered the opportunity, and that's, 
that's pretty much here we are. <laughs> so you started right in with uh, some of the touring yeah. that the company did. So you were able to be part of the performing company last summer. Um, what tours were you able to take part in? I went to I went to London and DC. So I was both of the tours mm -hmm. after the season had started in, in July. But I guess this is the home the home field, yeah, yeah. and um, you've been here all season. What are some of the highlights so far? What are the roles that we've seen you in? I'd say the highlight for me was uh, two highlights. We're probably in the night, which I actually got to dance with Mary Claire. And which, which movement did you do? Uh, the second movement. Okay. And the mature couple. Yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't have done that, but okay. <laughs> And also Ibsen's House has, yes. has, has, I've really enjoyed performing that. Ibsen's House um, is still in performance. Will you be performing it this weekend? I uh, dance again on uh, tomorrow, tomorrow matinee. So, so um, is being part of a very dramatic work like that a real contrast to what you had in the... No, actually the it's, it's more similar to what, what I had in Vienna. Mm -hmm. But I enjoy it. I enjoy the, the being able to go on stage and let your emotions almost take over the, the dance so that the steps are almost like they're coming from, from within you. Uh -huh. that's, that's probably the best feeling that you can have on stage is when it feels like it's, it's your own movement that's been given to you to share with the audience. Those of you who might have come in after we started, um, I'm in conversation with Shane Worthner, who is in his first season with San Francisco Ballet as a soloist. And we're talking about his coming from the Vienna State Opera Ballet. <clears throat> they have not had a particularly large Balanchine repertoire, and we certainly have a lot of that. How has it been to fit yourself into that rep? Well, it's, it's, it's interesting. My first Balanchine piece I ever danced was Theme and Variations, which I just did the, the four guys. I didn't do the main, the main couple. Um, but I actually got the chance last season in Vienna to dance uh, the second Parada in the Stravinsky Violin Concerto. That's a contrast. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so uh, getting to dance uh, Symphony in Three this season, it was kind of like a preparation because mm -hmm. the you know transitioning the Stravinsky music and the same type of white white and black costumes and um, more avant-garde choreography. It's it's uh, it's definitely a challenge considering that my start was definitely very classical, um, but I enjoy it. I enjoy it a lot. What do you find challenging? This audience can take it. Uh, <laughs> The counting is actually quite challenging because you know sometimes you'll have an, a nine and then a twelve and then you'll have to land on one two three and then run for five and you know you don't realize as an audience that all of that's going on but sometimes we'll stand there and go one two three four five six seven okay I have to go you know mm -hmm. and so that's that's probably the most most challenging thing is to make sure that not only are you doing the right steps but you're doing them to the right counts and that your counts are fitting to the right music that you're not counting and, and the music is going off somewhere else and you're not in the right place. So that's, that's for me, that's the most challenging part. And I know in Symphony in Three, which you'll see tonight, um, there are parts where the core is counting 11s and the soloists are counting 
eights, and the left side of the stage is counting something else. It's, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, there's one other piece that you're doing this weekend, Ibsen and? Uh, Raimonda. Raimonda, okay, so there we are, we're back to the classics. Yeah. And that's the, you know, you start and end in fifth position. Yeah. <clears throat> do you enjoy that? I do. For what it is, yeah. or do you prefer it maybe, or not? I, I actually really, really enjoy dancing the classics. I, I got to do uh, Jean de Brienne in Vienna mm -hmm. um, with, with Manuel Legree coaching it. Mm -hmm. So it was really a, a special thing because when Nureyev went to, uh, when Nureyev was, was in Paris, mm -hmm. he's, he coached. Legree on the piece, on, on dancing Jean de Brienne. Uh -huh. So it was almost like a second hand uh, getting that type of information, that, that coaching that is so rare in, in today's dance world. Um, but that train of heritage is so valuable. Yeah. yeah. And there are many of these folks who've heard me enough times to know that that's one of my favorite things, is how we pass it down. Yeah. We have a few minutes that you could ask questions if you'd like to. I hope you've been thinking of some, so let's get on with it. Yeah. The question is, what does an audition at San Francisco Ballet entail? Good question. It's, it's actually a very long process. Uh, it starts out by, well, in, in my case, it started out by sending a resume and a video. And then uh, there were lots of emails back and forth about when I could come, when I couldn't come. And I actually came two summers ago, uh, and they didn't have any, any place. Uh, so it continued. It went back to Vienna for another year and, and um, auditioned again the following spring. And at that point, I, I actually came to take class. And he watched for four days from the door of the, of the classroom. And, and the last day we went to his office and there was a discussion about what he could offer us and that was, that was the experience. I'm sure it's different for everybody who, who auditions, but for me that's, that's the way it went. I understand in this company it usually involves <clears throat> an aspiring dancer taking class, uh, the daily workout and just being with the other dancers in the company, the director can see how you'd fit. <clears throat> we very rarely, in fact, I don't think ever do what they call the cattle call auditions. Um, this company just, right. frankly, and I say with some hubris, we just don't need to do that because dancers are coming all the time and Helgi's out there looking. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, it's, it's, definitely, it's definitely better for the dancer to be seen on a personal level mm -hmm. because, you know, you can, you can go and take a class with a whole bunch of dancers from other companies but you won't really know if you fit in until you take class with the company that you're trying to, to join. Uh, Style-wise, height-wise, body type, you know, it's all, it all plays an important part in how you'll fit with the other dancers. Somebody, and a question over here? Yes. Did you hear the question? Yeah. Can you repeat it? Uh, the question was, what got me interested in becoming a dancer? Uh, when, I was, when I was five years old, or at least this is the story I'm told by my parents, when I was five years old, there were a lot of things that I did because my, parent, my dad wanted me to be coordinated. He didn't want me to be clumsy and, and awkward, I guess. And so I did musical theater and tap and ballet and um, 
what else, gymnastics, uh, martial arts, and slowly, one by one, each of the things kind of dropped off, and I stuck with ballet, and it just was my passion. It was the one thing that that seemed to be the most fulfilling for me, and when you know, step by step, I got more opportunities, and, and people said you could be very good, and so I went to Kirov, and they were very supportive, and it's it's really just kind of followed step by step to here. <laughs> Anybody over here with another question? I'm sorry, wait a minute, there was a question right here. I'll get you in a minute, yeah? It's a fun question. Is classical choreography considered more difficult than more avant-garde or contemporary choreography, or the other way around? Is that basically the, or is it just depend on the piece and on the dancer? I think a lot Go of with it. That. I think a lot of it depends on the dancer. Um, I know for me, classical choreography seems to feel the best, um, but then you know there are times when dancing a piece like like Ibsen's House is so enjoyable because you can just let go. You don't have to worry about fifth position and and how straight your legs are, and you can just you know feel the movement and enjoy giving that giving that feeling to the mm -hmm. audience. Um, so it really depends on the piece. I wouldn't say that one is necessarily more difficult or, you know, just, it just, one takes one type of discipline and the other takes another mm -hmm. type. It's, and some dancers don't enjoy dancing classical, some do. It, it really depends on, on what you like to do. It's worth underlining every dancer in this company has a very strong classical base. That's just, Helgi's just adamant about that. Um, yeah. Interesting. So as in our culture, as a guy in the ballet world, what challenges did you face? Uh, none, actually. <laughs> um, I, went, I went to a Montessori school uh, for, my, for my elementary school. And so it was a very small group of kids that was really supportive of anything that you did that was kind of out of the ordinary. Um, and then from for sixth and half of seventh grade, I went to Miller Creek Middle School in, in Terralinda. And um, for the first two weeks, my mom had actually said, don't tell anyone that you're a dancer, don't let anyone know. And then one day I just decided, no, I'm not gonna do this anymore. And I, I started doing dance moves in the, in the quad. And everyone loved it, they thought it was really cool. And I actually, they encouraged me to do the, to compete in the talent show that they had that year. And as far as I know, I'm the only one that has tied with myself for first place for in the uh, Miller Creek talent show. So. I think that um, it's getting easier for guys, just generally in the culture. And I think being in an urban area, it's easier. 
Um, there are probably still places in the provinces where it would be more of a challenge, and that was probably a tacky thing for me to say. But, um, we're running out of, of time, so I'm going to take one more question if there's one over here. Okay, yours. I didn't hear the first half of the question. Uh, it was about social media. San Francisco Ballet having a strong social media presence, and she wanted to know if it's different than other than dancing in Vienna. What you know, what the difference was. We had no social media presence in Vienna. Uh, it was it was very difficult, especially with the orchestra in Vienna, because they have they have they're very famous. Um, the Philharmonic, Vienna Philharmonic, is one of the most prestigious orchestras in the in the world. Um, to get any type of media put onto YouTube or or anywhere, uh, and it, it's it's a very old-fashioned country, so they really didn't understand the necessity to advertise and um, have any type of of outside looking in on on the ballet. Um, it started to grow towards the end of my time there because they actually, a former dancer uh, went into uh, media production and he started to put videos out there for people to see and they actually started to make videos of each of the dancers to kind of give a showcase of what each dancer was capable of. Um, but nothing like, like what's here where you know Facebook has all the pictures and, and things like that. So. It's definitely changed a change coming here to see how much um, public representation we have. So there's plenty. Well, for those of you who missed our introductions, um, I've been having a delightful, I must say, conversation with Shane Worthner, who is in his first season, ending his first season, uh, with San Francisco Ballet as a soloist. We're delighted to have you here and look forward to seasons to come. I need to remind you all to go to the website and check on those podcasts that will appear eventually and all of the other information you can find there. And of course, when this season, this program finishes this weekend, everyone is gearing up for the excitement that will end the season, which is the full-length Christopher Wheeldon Cinderella. And I know we'll see you all at that. Thank you so much, Shane, and thank, thank you, you everyone. Enjoy this evening's performance.